You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers, welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And we are one week out from our one year anniversary, and I'm so very excited to reach that date, but more on that next week, Tuesday. Let's get into this week's episode. As you know, we have been doing the Faithpreneur Diaries all summer long. So that means this week I am interviewing another amazing Faithpreneur. This week in the guest chair, we have Miss Latoya Matthews. Latoya is an inner healing coach, author, transformational speaker who specializes in helping women post-abortion break the cycles of self-sabotage and rejection. She does this via her group coaching program, Beauty for Ashes, retreat, and speaking engagements. Her ultimate mission is seeing more gems, which is what she calls the women in her community, healed and helping them redefine and rewrite the narrative of their lives after trauma. GEM is an acronym that means God's Extraordinary Masterpiece. Now let's give a warm Purpose Chaser welcome to LaToya. LaToya, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Purpose Chasers, and I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Shante, for having me. Awesome. I'm so excited to really dig into this conversation with you. But stuff before I get into this interview, the question I love to start with is tell me a fun fact that is not in your bio. A fun fact about me is that I hate mayo and mustard. I know that's probably like bad, but I just I don't like it. Mayo and mustard is not my thing. <laughs> not my thing at all. I was with you with the hate mayo because I am not, I've never been that girl. I am not that, that, that mayo girl, but I have developed a new liking for mustard. So you're kind of a land on that side, but I'm with you all the way with the mayo. It's nasty. I don't know yes, how people no. eat it. It doesn't belong in anything. No, we it doesn't. to leave that on the altar and let, some, <laughs> and let, the, let, let the Lord deliver you from that problem you yes. have with the mayo. <laughs> Yes, exactly. We're praying for them. We pray for we them. We are praying for you. <laughs> so thank you so much, Latoya, for sharing that fun fact with us. Now let's get into who you are because you are an inner healing coach and you help women break the cycles of self-sabotage and rejection through prayer, healing, and positive self-care habits. But I want to go back to a time before you were an inner healing coach, before you knew how to help other women in this area. Tell us about your beginning, how you des- how you started, and what what caused you to desire to become this inner healing coach? Well, what really made me become the beginning of my journey and what led me to being an inner healing coach was at the age of 18, 
I found myself sitting in our small health department in Mississippi, um, a small town in Mississippi, and that's what we call them health departments. Um, And I just found myself there being told that you are pregnant. And so that was like three words that I was not ready to hear because I had, you know, I thought to myself, I had so much going for myself. And so hearing those words, I just knew that that was something that I could not do. So I found myself making an appointment and being at the abortion clinic, having an abortion at the age of 18 and going school shopping afterwards, I guess, just to kind of bury the thought of what I had just done. And later on that night, after having the procedure and everything, I was at my cousin's house alone, sitting on this bed in the back room. And I just started bawling because I was like, what did I just do? And from 2003 up until 2011, 2012, I prayed every night and asked God to forgive me um, for what I had done because it was just something that I felt guilty. I was shamed. I was ashamed. And I just felt like I was just such this bad person for the decision that I had made. So for years, I dealt with torment, tormenting thoughts. I dealt with the shame and guilt of the decision that I made and just found myself in some very dark places and not being who I knew that God wanted me to be. And it wasn't until my pastor introduced us to this book called The True Measure of a Woman by Lisa Bevere. And it was two questions in there that set me on my healing journey. And the first question was, what, what is it in your closet that you need to clean out? And I knew that my decision of having that abortion was something that I needed to clean out. It was time for me to start healing, start getting to a place of seeing myself in God's word and really just praying for him to see me as he saw me. And that second question was, what is it that you have to offer to other people? And I cried like rivers of tears because I was like, I don't have anything to offer anybody. Like, what could this bad person, you know, who did such a bad thing, what could I possibly have that could help someone else? And so that was the day that I really began on my journey and knew that what I was feeling, even if you had the procedure or not, I knew that other women were feeling the same way, you know, being tormented by decisions that they've made in the past. But I knew that it was something that the work had to be done on the inside. So I just began to set on a journey, listening to sermons, reading books and things like that, and really getting to know who God called me to be and just overcoming those insecurities that I had about myself. And so it wasn't until a couple of years ago that he really put it in my spirit to just start sharing my story and just really to, you know, help women with the very things that have helped me to overcome, you know, those thoughts and those negative thoughts and self-sabotaging and um, uprooting, you know, that rejection that I had been dealing with. Wow, that's a amazing journey that you went through. And I know that everybody, well, if not everybody, at least most people have made decisions in their life that have affected the way they feel about themselves um, for one reason or another. But I, I, I 
enjoy i i enjoyed hearing the growth that you had that you knew that it was time to do something about how you were feeling and that those two questions what in your closet do you need to clean out and what can you do to help someone else really made a difference and an impact and pushed you in to your healing journey um i just want to go back for a little bit and just deal with those you said that you know your decision caused you to have shame and guilt and really tormented you as well and i know that there are a lot of people who are living with that right now with whatever decision that they've made that they feel like it wasn't the right decision does the guilt and the shame that you experience when you make a decision that you later on regret, does that shape your behavior going forward? How does that shape your behavior? How did it shape your behavior before you got to your healing point? It greatly affected, you know, my behavior because I would go to places and because I was a shame-based person and because I was a guilty person, I would be standoffish, like not really talking to people because it's one of those things where when you're in that frame of mind, you think people know these secrets about you, about you. So you stand off, you don't interact with people. And it's kind of awkward because you're just like, I'm not comfortable with myself. So I can't be comfortable around other people. And so I would, I would be standoffish. I wouldn't, you know, go too deep or form friendships with people because of, you know, the way the enemy makes you feel like you're, you're going to be judged. Like nobody's going to understand what you've gone through. So I just rather stay in this place of isolation. And that's, you know, some of the things that I did. And the other thing that I would say was I, um, when things were going good for me, like even if I did have like a good relationship, I would sabotage it before they had the chance to you know, do something to me. So let me just go ahead and sabotage it so that I can go ahead and get it out of the way. Not knowing that there may have been something good on the other side of that, but because of the rejection, because of the shame and the guilt, let me just go ahead and sabotage this before someone hurts me. I got it. I got it. I got it. And and, and I'm just thinking of my own experiences, it, it does really make a difference in how we um, really interact with other people, how we even show up for ourselves and who we allow into our lives from any past trauma that we have experienced. So how do people or anybody listening to the podcast identify that their traumatic experiences are shaping their behavior or even identify that that experience actually created trauma in their life that then sprung forth and brought forth different negative fruit that they are seeing now? Well, one of the ways that you can recognize it is if, you know, just like me, I kept asking myself, why am I still dealing with the same situation? Like you think you've gotten over it, but all of a sudden it reappears in your life because we deal with the fruit of the situation, but we never deal with the root of the situation. And until you get to the root of what it is that's causing the the behavior that you're doing, you're never going to fully get through it or heal from it. And so, so many times we deal with 
the um the insecurities but what is the root why what is causing you to do this was it a negative impact that you had as a kid was it you know a relationship that you felt you were rejected or abandoned you know it's is really getting to the root of it and really facing those hard truths because the only way that you can get healed is you have to be real with yourself. And that's one of the hardest things when you've gone through something or finding that behavior is being real with yourself because you put on a mask for so long and you're used to people not, you know, paying attention or overlooking you that you just continue to wear this mask and now it becomes a new normal for you. I like that healing comes when you are being real with yourself. And one of the things that, that helped you when you were being real with yourself was starting to tell your story. How did you build up the courage to basically stand in your truth, no matter what anybody thought, no matter, you know, what repercussions it may have caused? How did you find the courage to do that? It was one of those things where I didn't want to disappoint God. Like I knew that he was tugging at me and he was speaking to me to begin to tell my story. And I didn't want him to go to someone else because ultimately, you know, when we decide not to do what God has asked us to do, he just go find someone else who's willing to do it. Right. And so I really wanted to step outside of my comfort zone and step past that fear of the opinions of other people and just knowing that if God has spoken to me to do it, then I need to do it out of obedience. I need to go forth whether I like it or not, honestly. (laughs) That's one thing about God. When he tells you to do something, like you said, whether you like it or not, you better (laughs) get it done. Honestly, you better get it done. And that's so true in, in so many different ways. And you know, you telling your story has helped women experience healing and giving them, and you gave them hope and you helped them to deal with forgiveness all through telling your story, which makes me reflect on when you just said, when you asked yourself those two questions, you couldn't think of what you could do to help someone else out. And who would have known that out of your trauma would come purpose? Yes. Another way of really coming to your purpose. Uh, 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 There's many different ways. And I deal with this with um, the ladies that I life coach and the ladies on my created for more course, because one of the big questions we always have just as humans is what is our purpose? Why are we here on earth? What did God create us to do? Mm -hmm. And there are different avenues that you can go to coming and finding your purpose, but sometimes your purpose is born out of the pain that you've experienced or even watched somebody else experience. And I think people overlook that. I think too many times we are so willing and ready to hide our past, to hide what we've been through, not understanding that that is the same thing that is going to empower you and empower other people around you, even, even if that same story may, you know, not bode well with, for example, other family members. It may not, you you know, they may feel like you're telling the family secrets, but at the end of the day, it's not about them. And it's not even about you. It's what God wants to do through you that makes so much of a difference. And 
I'm just looking at, at, at how you started and your story and then this beautiful, this beautiful business and this beautiful um, inner healing coaching that you do that has borne itself out of trauma and out of pain. Like, how did it feel for you to realize that even after this, after all I've been through, God was still able to pull purpose out of me? How did that feel like for you? Oh my gosh, it felt so good. Like, I cried because it was like the breakthrough, the moment that I had been searching for. Because like you said, for the longest time, I was trying to run away from this story and call myself searching for my purpose. And so I was, I was looking, I was looking, I was praying all while trying to run from this particular thing, you know, thinking that this is, you know, it's too much, it's too shameful to be, to share with anybody. And I was running from that. And finally, it was just like the voice just got so loud. I was like, okay, I'm ready. I need to do this. And when it happened, I just felt so much freedom. Like I felt a release. It was just like I stepped into the very thing that he was trying to get me to step into all along. I I love that. And there's just, I'm going back to there's so much power in, in standing in your truth. And that allows you to really evaluate. So once you get down to the root and you start standing in your mm-hmm. truth, start changing the fruit that you've yes. been experiencing. And, and you can really, I don't want to use the word dictate, but re- well, actually, yeah, you can dictate what, mm-hmm. what type of things you are allowing in your life, what type of thoughts will allow you, you to, um, w- what type of thoughts you would allow to even remain in your mind, which gets exactly self-sabotaging behavior that I think we all have in one way or another, even when we don't notice it in one area or another. And that brings me back to um, limiting beliefs. I love to talk about limiting beliefs and making mm-hmm. sure you get down to the original, like you said, the root <laughs> of the thing, because you may think that, you know, you you need another uh, you you may think for example which is something that i'm focusing on this week you may think that you need to pay for another course but you haven't really executed on the things you've learned before so exactly. your problem is not information your problem is execution and that's really what i'm working with this week um just with the people that i'm working with but really what are some of the let's say self sabotaging behaviors that you normally see, like the top three that you, you see that are like almost constant with people you come across? I would say the top three self-sabotaging habits that I've seen is, um, number one, not asking for help. Um, because when you're like that shame-based person or somebody who's experienced something traumatic, you know, you want to keep that in because you don't want anybody to know your business. but not asking for help is only keeping you in a place of lack and, you know, keeping you in isolation and keeping you in an unhealed place. So not asking for help is like one of the number one things that, um, that I see. Um, Probably the second thing would be negative thoughts, letting those thoughts hold you bound and not allowing you to move forward. And so when you, do something, you automatically talk yourself out of it because maybe somebody told you that 
you know, some idea wasn't going to work before. So you automatically have that person's voice in your head and you just automatically stop. So you let those negative thoughts take control of your life. And then you're at a standstill, you become complacent and you don't move. And I would say probably the last thing is um, hmm, not wanting to face the past because we're afraid of bringing those things back up. And that's one way that we self-sabotage ourselves is not facing those things head on and moving through them because we're afraid of what, you know, may come up after we've tried to bury those things. So that would be the top three that I would say. Those are all things that I just thinking about. I can can identify as self-sabotaging behaviors. And I know one of the things that I had to get to when I would think of the root of one of my problems was I, I had no confidence, none whatsoever. And what I, when I say that to people, they're like, you know, you seem so confident. And I'm like, no, no, this is a daily work, <laughs> this is a daily work because yes. I was bullied when I was a child. So my perception of what I look like was completely skewed. And I remember being, I mean, this was up till two years ago, I could remember um, one of the problems that I, I have with my confidence would be body image. And I remember on a specific day, I was away at a conference and the lady was looking for um, volunteers and I really, really wanted to be a volunteer. However, on that specific day, I felt fat. That's how mm -hmm. I felt in my head. And those were, the, those were the thoughts that were in my mind. If you stand up, everybody else is going to see how big you are. So I didn't stand up. I didn't put my hand up. I didn't offer what I had to offer. I didn't get the fullness of that experience. And I think it was at that moment I realized you have been doing this since you were a child. You don't want to put your hand up in mm. school because you don't want to draw attention to what you think like you look like. And I look back even over pictures from back then. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what were you even seeing? But it, it took time. I had to identify why I was having those negative thoughts. Cause you're right. They hold you captive. They stop you. You become complacent. Yep. You can't grow if you are living in a sea of negativity because your own, listen, before the devil takes you out, your thoughts will take you out. Exactly. That is so true. <laughs> I mean, so I would write that down before, listen, he will, he don't need to do the work. If you're stuck in your head, you know, you are really doing it to yourself. Yes. And that's one of the things that I really had to get past because, you know, like they say, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. And when you're in a place like that, no matter how many times someone tries to tell you something, your thoughts automatically override, you know, whatever the words that they're speaking you know, until you get tired of being sick and tired of those thoughts taking control, that's when, you know, you begin to get it. That's when things begin to line up and you begin to see differently. Because as long as, as, long as you have those layers of words and thoughts that the enemy is feeding you and that you've kept, you're never going to hear, you know, the true word of whatever is true about you. Mm-hmm. This is this is so true. And I just want to remind those who are listening, the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this yes. is that we have to do on a daily basis. It's not something where I get up today and say, I'm going to say some affirmations or declarations over myself, and I'm going to be great for the rest of my life. You have to 
practice that thing. Your brain is a muscle. You have to practice that thing until it becomes second nature to you. I say some of my affirmations and declarations so much. Other people can tell me what I, like, I remember I was having a day where I was feeling low and somebody had to tell me about my own self to pick it up because she had heard me say it so many times. Mm. She knew the declaration. She knew the things I would say over myself. So she started saying them. That's what you have to do. You have to be, make it second nature. So your mind will be able to cancel out those thoughts when they come in. One of the things that I like to say is when something really upsets me or bothers me, I give you about five minutes. You got five minutes to be thought about, to be mad about, to process five to 10 <laughs> minutes. And after that is gone. Because I'm not going to give somebody else the power yes. over me and my peace. I see peace as currency, right? Yes. So, and when I look at my peace as currency, I say to myself, am I going to let that person with their negative behavior, with their bad customer service, come over to me and I'm just going to give them $5, $10, $100 worth of my peace? No. That bad behavior? Like if you go to, to a place that has bad customer service, we don't tend to pay. We won't pay. We won't right. give up our money that easily, but we tend to give up our peace very, very easily. So I always think about it or switch it with people with that. Like, would you give somebody some of your peace currency, some of your peace money? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to to bother, yes. basically. <laughs> and, I wanna, and I want to tell that person too, you know, because the affirmations and declarations are really important, but I always say affirmations are not band-aids. They're not there to just cover up. You still need to do the work because affirmations doesn't work unless you work. I listen and you hit it. I'm always telling the ladies on the podcast who listen that you have to do the work. That's like, listen, faith without works is dead. You can dead. have those affirmations, but if you don't apply any work to it, then it's not, it's not going to, it's not going to work for you and you're not going to believe it. So not only do you have to do it, but you have to do the small behaviors that will help you change what you think. Exactly. Which is very important. Something else you said, Latoya, is that you see that people don't want to go back to face their past. Rather, they don't want to move through it. And I would say they would rather move over it. Yes. So I want to speak to those women who may be struggling in that area right there. They don't want to go back to their past. They rather not you know, go over whatever it is that caused them trauma, whether it is dealing with an abortion or maybe they were raped or maybe they were molested or maybe they um, lost somebody at an early age or maybe they were in a drunk driving accident and somebody on the other hand had died. Whatever it is that has caused you, you, you trauma, how do they, how would you recommend they go back and deal with it so they can heal through it rather than trying to jump over it. I would say the key thing to face in that is making sure that you're in an environment that's a safe place for you with somebody who can understand and someone who really can help you because that, that safe space is important. And there, I always tell my clients as well, my gems, this is what I call my ladies gems, which means God's extraordinary masterpieces. And I tell my gems, um, like, there's a lesson. There's always a lesson in something that you've experienced. And so the very things that you may be dealing with, you have to go back and face that because there's a lesson there for you that's going to help you move through 
the very thing that you've been trying to run from or jump over. And so that's the key. The key to it is making sure that you have that safe space and asking God to really show you what is the lesson? What is this? What is this supposed to teach me? What has this taught me so that you don't overlook it? Because like you said, there is there is purpose in whatever pain that we've gone through. And I think someone said, you know, it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. Yes, I like that. And I know that um, when we say things like all things work together for the good, sometimes we have questions, well, how is that for my good? You know, if if you experience mm-hmm. rape or molestation, you're thinking to yourself, how did that happen for your good? But there is always a lesson and you don't know what exactly God is trying to bring through you. Exactly. Right. Because I knew that if, 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 if some traumatic things didn't happen in my family, if a, if a specific rape didn't occur in my family, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know what, what, what means gods were trying to get me and, and the people who came before me into the earth, but by any means exactly. necessary, it looked like we needed to be here to carry out his will. So really having that safe space to really talk about it and feel all the things. Yes, feel it. Don't hide your emotions. Cry, scream, let it out. Feel all the things, all the pain so that you can get through it instead of trying to be strong. And one of the things is women and especially it's black women. We put on a strong facade. We want to be strong at all times. It's just something that... I don't know if it goes back to just, you know, way back from slavery or even before then, but we are so strong and we hardly ever want to put our guard down, want to be vulnerable with people. But Mm -hmm. sometimes vulnerability is what you need. So like Latoya said, find that safe space, whether it's a friend, a family member, a counselor, a coach, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, it is okay to get help. I am of the firm belief that Jesus has anointed, God has anointed therapist. He's anointed psychologist. He's anointed psychiatrist. I think there is, like, like the Bible says, we are all a part of one body. That is a part of one body. That is, a di- that is basically the doctor for your brain or the doctor for your emotions. And if you broke your ankle or if you, you know, broke broke a leg or had a bad bruise or had a burn, you would go to the doctor without even thinking about it. But when it comes to our thoughts, our emotions, our our, our trauma, sometimes we don't wanna we don't wanna go to the doctor. But I say go to whatever form of a doctor that you need and speak. A therapist, a counselor, a pastor, a safe space where you yes. can really let loose, right? And tell everything. Get it out. <laughs> As I would say, get it all out. Whether get it's it all pretty, out, whether it's it, it's ugly, don't don't try and prettify. Pre, pre, if that's a word, no, <laughs> That's the word. Do not try to beautify it. Just yes. be you and, and and get it out. Right. Yes, exactly. Because that's what I had to do. Um, you know, remove the mask and be vulnerable. You know, that's the that's the most important part. You finding that person or place where you can take the mask off and not fake it until you make it because you can't fake it till you make it 
with healing. It doesn't work like that. You know, you may can do it in business for so long, but for your healing, there's no fake it till you make it. I love that. There's no fake it till you make it with your healing. So as an inner healing coach, how do you help to bring hope and forgiveness to those people that you work with? Tell us about that. So the very first thing that I tell um, the clients that I work with is that we've been given a gift, the gift of hope and the gift of forgiveness, but we have to receive that gift. So many times we leave gifts unopened under the tree or wherever the case may be, we leave those gifts there and we don't open them. Not knowing that on the inside of those gifts lies something that's going to help us heal, that's going to help us move forward, that's going to help us get the freedom that we need. And so I just want to just say that part because it's all about receiving what's being offered to you. And with the clients that I work with, we go through the four pillars of healing, which is peacemaking, releasing the burden of the past. We go through pattern breaking which is acknowledging and recognizing those negative thoughts that have held you back and, you know, kept you from moving forward. We talk about permission to dream, envisioning the life that you desire while healing, as well as the power of habits, you know, creating habits that support the life that you've envisioned for yourself. And so I believe that going through those four things, you know, you get to You have no other choice but to go back and recognize, you know, what's been holding you back from your past. And we create what we call prescription affirmations. One of my coaches, um, Marlena, um, created these for me. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I need this for my ladies. And so in the pattern breaking, we create prescription affirmations because ultimately the Bible says that the word is medicine, right? And so we take the word of God and we create affirmations out of them. Nothing fluff. We, we create authentic um, affirmations that they can speak over themselves. And ultimately, it's God's word that's going inside of them, helping them to realize and see who God has created them to be all based on his word. And, you know, just that permission to dream just brings hope for those dreams that you probably buried for so long because of what you've experienced in your life. And somebody probably told you that you weren't capable of making this happen or they told you you'll never be anything. So you bury those things. And I believe that, you know, is, it's good to stir those things back up because God has placed that vision in you is not going anywhere. He's giving you that vision. And now it's time to revive that thing and, you know, help you walk it out. And of course, you know, just like we said, habits, those things you do every day ultimately determines the life that you live. And we have to create those positive self-care habits so that you can live that positive life. Um, There's this quote that I love and it says, bad habits are like a comfortable bed, easy to get into, but hard to get out of. And so I believe that those four things really help bring that hope and that healing that they're looking for and ultimately, you know, get to where they really and truly want to be. Mm-hmm. That is so good. That is things that we definitely need, all four pillars of healing. And I love permission to dream because a lot of times when we are really living in our trauma and 
you know, self-sabotaging, one of the things that we don't allow ourselves is the permission to dream, to dream that life could be any different than this, that, you know, there can be more to life than this and working through what God has given you. You're right. Yes. Gave us vision and that vision is not leaving you. It will start to bang on the front door (laughs) and bust it open. (laughs) If you try to ignore it for too long, you can't avoid the purpose that God has has for you. You can run from it, but let me tell you, you can run right into it when you run from it. So exactly working through that. Yes. And we go through is um, the program that I have is called Beauty for Ashes. And it's based on the Isaiah scripture where he said that he would give us the oil of joy for any morning, the garment of praise for any heaviness and give us beauty for ashes because we've all experienced ashes in our lives. Right. And so they may look ugly, but, you know, from our point of view, it doesn't look like it could be turned into anything. But God says there's beauty in those ashes. And it just reminds me um, there's this flower. Um, that grows like after they burn, like the fire burn the mountainside. There's this particular fire, this this particular flower that grows when the ashes are done and they're just sitting there. This beautiful flower called fireweed, and it comes only after they burn the side of the mountain. So on, you know, after we've gone through the fire, God has beauty on the other side of those ashes that we've had in our lives. Oh, I love, I absolutely love that. And also one thing we haven't even gotten into is that you are an author. Yes. (laughs) Tell us about discovery. Yes. Well, um, last year, um, God had, well, 2018, I think it was, I began to write a 31 devotion, a 31 day devotional journal, um, called discovery. And it's just helping women to discover those parts of them that they haven't thought, Um, to seek and just asking questions to begin to help you dream and imagine and, you know, really bring those things to the forefront so that you can discover more about yourself. Um, So it's a devotional and journal together so you can read the devotion and, you know, journal your thoughts, um, probably about a two minute um, read and it's on Amazon as well as my website. Yes, you guys. Okay. So it's on Amazon. It's on her website. So definitely go and get that because we all need healing and we all need to break free because God has given us um, the ability to be free. The Bible says through his son, we are free. So let's take on the gift of freedom that he has given us. Latoya, why don't you tell us where we can, where the listeners can find you, where they can connect with you, where they can find out how to work with you. Give us all your details. Well, you can you can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at the T H E Latoya Matthews, and that's one T in Matthews. Um, and also, um, you can find my work with me page on my website at latoyamatthews.com. And that's pretty much it. Only I'm only on those platforms. Okay, thank you for sharing that with us. And before we um, finish up, I just want to ask you what last bit of advice or inspiration do you have for the ladies who are listening who feel like they are right there? They are right there in their, in their trauma. They are right there in the self-sabotaging behaviors and they feel like they can't pull themselves out. What are some takeaways that they can get from this, from this interview that will help push them into their next season? 
there's this quote that I always tell myself, if you never think enough of yourself, you'll never take action. And now is the time to take action because the journey to healing starts now. It's not too late. It's never too late to get the healing that you need. And so I just want to encourage you to take the chance because what's the worst that could happen? You know, you never know on the other side of that fear, maybe the very thing that you've needed the entire time. So don't let fear hold you back. Don't let your thoughts hold you back. Take the leap of faith and trust that God will catch you on the other side. I love that. I love that. Okay, ladies. So you have heard Latoya's story. You've gotten the gems that she has given you. Remember, it's never too late for you to experience healing and live a free life. Latoya, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. I really enjoyed having you. And ladies who are listening, connect with her on all platforms. She is here to help you. It's part of who she is because it's in line with her purpose. So thank you so much, Latoya, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor and a pleasure. Thank you.